Welcome to the Arrest All Mimics podcast with your host Ben Tallon. Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tallon. I am your host. This is the Original Thinking and Creative Innovation podcast. Students, are you all good? Are you hungover? Are you all sweating or have you dried up? It's uh, heavy times for the graduates. Um, I'm seeing a sea of social media relief going on for people who've completed their assignments, handed in the dissertation, um, and it's all about preparation for the degree shows, which are going off this week, next week. Um, I'm getting invites through the post from the universities I've had relationships with. It's all going on. Um, It's part for choice. It's kind of tricky when you want to go to all of the degree shows, but it's like an extortionate train fare to get to a lot of them outside of London, if you're based in London. But there's so much cool work going on, so many innovative invitations coming my way at the minute. So thanks to any universities and colleges and students who have posted them my way. It's very kind. Um, I kind of start a lot of professional relationships with students who get in touch asking me for any advice uh, whether it's for a dissertation, just pointers on their work. I love it. I really like it. Um, I rarely fail to get back to anyone. If I do, it's because you've got shit grammar. Um, I'm going to be straight up about that. Uh, little bugbear and worth bearing in mind Bearing in mind for anyone. Um, if you can't write an email, you need to sort that out because it's the biggest turn-off for any professional. And I'm sure any art directors, editors, uh, managers will agree getting an email through and it's just one block of text some people don't even say hello keep it in mind basics people um but for the ones who do and the ones who can put together an email i always get back and i always try to help and i've ended up um you know having a lot of uh friendships and professional relationships with those students often commissioning people pointing them connecting them with people i like to try and help because i've been blessed with a lot of kind people who've helped me so congrats to everyone who's done well and come out the other end of a degree. And now the real work starts because it's real world time. Um, and it's pretty tough, as, as anyone will testify, who's come out and gone on to do anything in the creative industries. Uh, it's a bit of a reality check for a lot of people. Some people kind of go belly up and can't handle that, which there's nothing wrong with that because it's a tough, ruthless industry. Um, but a lot thrive and there's a lot of canny people now learning how to use social media effectively and uh, create real world relationships off the back of that Um, so it's all let us know your thoughts on that I'm still trying to look at putting together a uh, a graduate and recent graduate special to try and profile some of the challenges some of the success stories some of the failures and how people have gotten around that and come back stronger so again hit us up at Arrests or Mimics on the Twitter uh, facebook.com forward slash arrest on the mix uh, can't wait to get to a few of your shows um, and for any other people who want to come and check out some creative studios in London it's going to be the open studios for second floor studios and arts where my studio is based which is between Greenwich and Woolwich right by the Thames barrier that's going off from the 2nd to the 5th of June so not this weekend but the one after um, come down and say hello. I'm in studio TB258 and I'll be there Saturday, Sunday. Um, so pop in, come and check out my work. I'm just going to be getting on with some personal work. Uh, there's going to be a few books on sale, so you can come and say hi. Um, come and ask any questions. Just be nice to see some of you guys face-to-face. Uh, there's only so much interacting you can do through the audio airwaves, so it will be nice to see some people. Um, I will have my book on sale, Champagne and Wax Crayons, Riding the Madness of the Creative Industries, so it might be a worthwhile purchase for any students coming out of university, because 
it's everything relayed that you're about to go through um, in a sort of balls-out, brutally honest fashion, um, and it might be of some use. The feedback is that it is a really uh, refreshingly honest way of, you know, kind of passing on those experiences. So I hope that's cool. Come and say hi. Um, today's guest is Crafty Fox founder Sinead Kohler, who is a lovely lady and uh, a hugely talented person who launched the ever-popular Crafty Fox Markets, which have been going on for a number of years now. And it started at the Dog Star in Brixton, and Sinead will tell us a little later on today. Um, it was an idea she had um, uh, some time back, I believe, for making her own jewellery. And then Motherhood actually brought the opportunity uh, to start putting some legs on that idea, as Sinead will tell us today about balancing um, parenthood and creative professional life. Uh, it's a topic that's becoming more and more common as we become more flexible thanks to the internet. So we're going to find out why and how Sinead started the Crafty Fox Markets, how they've become so damn popular, um, and the makers scene that's thriving uh, as a you know thanks to what Crafty Fox and a number of other, you know similar events are doing. We're going to talk about how that links up with the wider world of commerce and the bigger corporations, and how the personal touch from makers. Um, is so important the storytelling aspect to stand out because there's a lot of makers out there platforms like etsy are now giving illustrators designers um you know craftspeople the opportunity to take their products direct to the consumer whether it's cushions prints um posters plants ceramics it's just there's so much cool stuff going on and it's so much easier now to not have to go just to the chain stores and you can buy you know lovely handmade gifts and you can talk to the person who crafted it you can find out their story and you can relay that to the person who's going to be the recipient of that gift which is a beautiful experience and it's something that i tried to do now i think last christmas uh i bought about 80 percent of my presents direct from places like the crafty fox market so we're going to get right under the skin of that with Sinead. Uh, for any regular listeners, I hope you checked out Sandra Dickman's episode, who is one of the artists who's done really well with Crafty Fox and worked with them regularly to take her amazing style direct to the consumer. And Sandra talks regularly about you know how she does that and how she's taken her work and retained the real personal passion without surrendering any of any of that and actually selling goods. You know, it's it's something we all we all struggle with and strive to do better. So it's a fascinating insight, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, again, I want feedback on this. I hope you all enjoyed the episode, the two-part special on creative identity and new music with the Hyena Kill and Dirty Freud, because that was something special, and it's been lapped up, so thank you for that. Huge amounts of listens, uh, a really popular episode, possibly the fastest out of the traps so far, right up there with the likes of Misled and Danny Ellison, which were really popular ones, Sandra Dinkman also. Um... So that was really, really cool, and I was at the album launch of the Hyena Kill on Friday, which was just chaotic and what everything you want from a hard rock gig. So go and find out what it means to be a DIY band or a solo artist in today's ruthless industry. Um, those guys giving it, shooting straight from the hip. Um, thanks as ever to our sponsors for the episode, Illustration Limited, uh, providing you some of the greatest illustration and animation work in the world, worldwide. Um, global industry now, really nice people providing you the best in the industry so go and check them out, illustrationweb.com all over social media, easy to find um, and Heart Internet of course uh, heartinternet.co.uk and true to form, we're going to bring you a 
SEO slash social media tip courtesy of our internet today because we all need that stuff. We all need to survive on the internet and it's a pretty swamped market. So today's tip, um, it's about interacting with influencers on Twitter. So when I say influencers, I mean anyone from a a real giant in your industry, whether it's in graphic design, illustration, fashion, um, the people that you would like to be interacting with, like to be associated with and the people who you are fans of their work. So it's about, um, I mean, as Nick Leach from Heart Internet will tell us, you've got to treat it like you're in a room full of people. So it's about, first of all, of course, following them, um, you know, making yourself aware. If you were in a room, it would be going up and talking to them and uh, just engaging, making that initial point of contact. And then it's about interaction. So, you know, anything from answering questions that they might post. Do you agree with the things they're tweeting? Do you disagree? Let them know and tell them why. Start the conversation, get in there early. It's one of the most basic tips, but it's a great way to be seen by the people who have power in your industry and to get on their radar. And then, of course, it's all about following that up. So drop them an email, uh, tell them who you are, what you do, just the human touch. Talk to people, interact with them, hit them up online, try to see them in person. At the very least, drop them an email, be polite, be nice to people. Twitter's a great tool for that. So if you treat it like those people in a room, you'll get a lot further. Uh, So yeah, today's episode, Crafty Fox, Sinead Kohler. Go and check them out. They've got a series of markets coming up, craftyfoxmarket.co.uk. Check the show notes as ever for dates and URLs and social media links. Um, You can find them. They tend to have like 50 plus market traders in a beautiful setup where they sell cakes, coffee. You can browse the market. You can chat to the people there. Really cool set design. DJs playing music. Really forward thinking stuff. Uh, so coming up this Saturday at the Dog Star in Brixton, 28th of May, 11am till 5pm, head down, it's an awesome experience, I get to most of their markets and I end up spending too much money because the stuff there is so, so good. Um, then again on Sunday, 29th of May at the Dog Star in Brixton, 11am till 5pm. Uh, and then a first, as Sinead told us on this episode uh, a little while back now when I recorded it, it was a first for Astronomics, an exclusive uh, first markets outside of London in Leeds, in West Yorkshire, of course, my, uh, my neck of the woods. Saturday, 4th of June, from 11am till 5pm, Black Swan in Leeds. The following day also, Sunday, 5th of June, 11am till 5pm. That's going to be awesome. Taking Crafty Fox up north, I wish them every success. If you're a Yorkshireman or if you're just in the area at Leeds, it's worth the trip over. It's worth the train fare. Go over, see some of the best craftspeople in the business and see exactly what Sinead Kohler and everyone who runs Crafty Fox are doing. Uh, check out the conversation. I hope you enjoy. So what's your background, Sinead? Where are you from? Um, I'm originally from Northern Ireland. Yeah. Um, and then I've lived in various different places, Edinburgh and New Zealand and Dublin and uh, okay. wound up in Dublin or in London about uh, 10 years ago now. Quite well travelled. Yeah, I love travelling. Yeah, that was yeah. before I got into this whole handmade crafts thing. Travel yeah. was my, my big passion, so I've, I've travelled a lot. Um, yeah. My first job out of uni, first kind of proper job, um, was organising international trekking events abroad for a blindness okay. charity in Ireland. Oh, that's so that was amazing. So I've, I've been to lots of very cool places yeah. um, with big groups of people who are fundraising and... Yeah, it was challenging things like um, guiding partially sighted or and sometimes blind people on places like the Great Wall of China. Mm. You know, the very crumbly wow. bits and um, yeah. up to Everest Base Camp and Patagonia. I've never heard of anyone doing that job. That's really interesting. Well, I was I was about twenty three, so it was um, yeah. you know it was really kind of thrown in at the deep end and brilliant experience in terms of event management and mm. um, 
you know, organising big projects. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm always fascinated with people's backgrounds and, and the sort of journey that's led them to doing what it is that they're doing in the arts. So I always yeah. think there's a, it makes total sense when you look at it from an outside perspective and you sort of piece it all together. Indeed. Which is what I found when I wrote that thing. It's like, you read it all back and go, actually, that made a lot more sense than what it felt like Yeah, at the yeah. Time, yeah. I think that's very true. You can see how all the threads kind of tie together. I mean, my background's mm. not particularly arty. Um... I've always been arty, but I think I come from a very academic background with my parents and they kind of maybe guided me a bit more um, in the academic direction mm. rather than the arts direction. Um, so I, I did a psychology degree at Edinburgh and then um, I find my way back to, I think, my true vocation, which is more in the arts um, mm. world, really. I've always, you know, my friends were always the artists and the, the creative types. And, yeah. Um, I think that's just where I feel a bit more comfortable. Yeah. So. Did you have Did you have an interest growing up? Were they, did you have sort of a creative streak yeah. or a, yeah. an inclination? Definitely. I mean, um, the whole Crafty Fox Market journey sprang out of me starting to make jewellery um, about six years ago as a mm. looking for a creative outlet really from my day job. Um, yeah. And I started selling at markets around London and selling on Etsy and. Um, I used to make jewelry years ago when I was when I was a child at school, you know, and I had mm. a little little mini company in um, secondary school selling jewelry. Um, so I'd always had that kind of interest, and it was when I moved to London and started shopping a lot of markets and going around and talking to traders, and I just I just loved the whole scene. I got really inspired by it, and then I discovered Etsy. Um, that was maybe 2010, and it was really small, much smaller than it is now mm. back then. Um, I think they had maybe one one staff member in London. Um, and I just thought the concept was amazing. I loved that person-to-person interaction. Yeah. Um, and I really remember the first thing I ever bought on Etsy was a pair of earrings from a deaf lady who lived in Hawaii. <laughs> um, and I just thought that was amazing, you know, the fact that yeah. you could, you know, you could do that. And she sent me a little note and it was just lovely. It was really, I thought that was mm. just such a nice thing. And then um, that, you know, that and, you know, my passion for going to markets, then yeah. to start my own little jewellery business. And then from there, really, I um, decided to start my own event. Uh, just some, something that was very supportive and really had the makers at the heart of it. That's what I wanted to create. Mm. Um, and something closer to home as well. I mean, we were living in Brixton at the time and I find I was mostly travelling to North London and East London for events. Mm. Um, it was Brixton was different back then. It was sort of pre-Brixton Village and mm-hmm. um, there wasn't so much happening in Brixton at the time. So it was a fresher concept mm. um, back then. And so, yeah, we did a, a, um, our first event in Brixton in the Dog Star. It was a Christmas market and it was really busy. And then that's one kind of led to the next and the next. And it, it just spiralled yeah. from there, really. I was in the Dog Star on Saturday. Were you? Yeah. <laughs> my brother, yeah. Oh, it's been a while since I've been out in Brixton. I used to, I used to stay there uh, every time I came down to London to yeah. promote my work. Like my very first trip, I stayed at the Hooganani. Oh, okay, cool. Which, yeah, yeah. any friends in Brixton, just their eyes widen when you say, well, sorry, what, you stayed at? And there's a hostel upstairs and not many people know oh, that. Oh, I didn't um, know that either, actually. So it was like 11 quid a night, brilliant music downstairs. Bargain. A little bit rough around the edges sometimes, but yeah, yeah, I'm Keithley in West Yorkshire, so that's fine. That's, that's, <laughs> that's all you need, that's all you need. I mean, it's amazing, actually, how many people always say to me, oh, the dog story used to go years awesome. ago, and it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's infamous, and it's such a... <laughs> It's such a kind of, you know, sticky floor, late night pub. Um, mm. And I kind of love that transformation of 
late night venue um, into yeah. you know crafty wonderland and um, it's it's a really magical transformation that happens really quickly actually it seems that just speaking from personal experience the ones that I've been to the crafty fox markets mm. uh, it seems that that's a running theme that the venues are quite um, I don't know what the right word is, but they're, they're quite lived in spaces that yeah. then you end transform into your own thing. Would that be accurate? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. I mean, we tend to look for places that don't typically have a daytime economy um, and then transform them. Um, mm. The music is a big part of what we do. Um, my husband used to run club nights back in Dublin oh, um, okay. and has a background as a, as a DJ and promoter. And yeah. I think um, that kind of helps us feel more at home in those kind of venues I think and we it's helpful for us if venues already have you know sound systems and a bar in place mm. it makes it easier to do what's to create the type of event that we yeah. want to create um but it's fun as well I mean I, I do really I do love that kind of you know sense of like there was a big party going on somewhere at all four or five six a.m yeah. and then by like 11 a.m the doors are open to yeah the when the dust has settled and then suddenly it's its whole new life it's exactly quite, it's quite an intriguing thing yeah yeah i think that's great and i think that probably i mean i would guess that eliminates any risk of it becoming sterile in any way you know you, it's not like you're going into a completely blank canvas and yeah. then just sort of got these isolated tables which you do find at markets yeah, sometimes exactly. but um yeah, yeah yeah but the thing that i like about um particularly the crafty fox markets is I like that they're quite easy to navigate, but they also have, they've got a nice intimacy about them as well. Yeah. The way that you know, I, I think it's quite easy to work your way around, yeah, and yeah. you're not constantly bumping into people, even though it's quite busy, which I, I quite enjoy about yeah. about the spaces. That's, that's good to hear. Friend. It can yeah. be it can be a challenge sometimes in um, working in you know pub or nightclub spaces. Um, mm. It's definitely different to trying to lay out an event in a, yeah. in a clean white space, um, but you do definitely have the added benefit of instant atmosphere, which yeah. is. Helpful. So what were the first steps you put in place in terms of taking it from a sort of an interest that became business and then decided to start up your own enterprise? What what were the first sort of steps into, into transforming it from something quite personal to a public yeah. thing? Um, it was quite gradual and organic really, I think. Um, I ran Crafty Fox as a sideline really um for about two years alongside my day job um so it was really working evenings and weekends and mm. you know pouring everything into it um and I had um had a baby so I had maternity leave for um a year which was great and that actually gave me a lot of time and headspace to think about what I wanted to do and mm. to try new things so um during that year we ran a pop-up shop in Camden which was great and we also launched our Crafty Fox Talk series um and then I just you know, it really had started to gain momentum by then. It was two years in and I, I just kind of thought, you know what, I'm just going to give this a go. Um, yeah. Obviously having a young child, it was nice and flexible and I could, you know, make it work around my mm. schedule. Um, yeah, so I think that was probably the turning point in terms of it becoming an actual business and me yeah. thinking about it slightly differently. That's wonderful, actually. It's wonderful that uh, such a life-changing event that you could quite easily think, well, actually, this is going to be a great obstacle is actually been a great catalyst yeah, into yeah. making that happen and that's beautiful yeah yeah I think that's really nice so so it must be really exciting when you I mean just again speaking from experience and anyone that I know in the arts when you hit that almost when you like the touch paper and it's you know you start to see that this is this could happen this yeah. thing that I love doing and I'm passionate about what a great buzz that is like, yeah did that sort of thrill you from the outset yeah I mean I think I find it really difficult to see Crafty Fox from other people's perspectives um, when I meet people, they often say to me, oh, you know, Crafty Fox, you're doing so well and you're everywhere and you've, you know, it's so mm. amazing and you've grown loads. And 
I just don't see it that way. I mean, I think because I'm I'm in it um, and I'm living it and I experience it. Um, and there's so many ideas that are still inside my head that I mm. haven't managed to make happen. I think I, I kind of, I get frustrated at all the things that I don't have time to do and I haven't done yet. And there's so much more to do. And, <laughs> it's the classic case. Yeah, totally. Um, so it's really, I do find it really challenging to see it from an outsider's perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, every once in a while, you know, it is, it is nice and yeah. it's important, I think, to sit back and kind of think, okay, we've, you know, we've done some really cool stuff. And no, I love the stories. Yeah. I love the, the stories of the makers and I love watching their businesses grow. And, you know, we've been going five years now and we've seen people, um, I guess you could almost call it graduate from the markets. You know, they, they started out at the markets with very, very young businesses and mm. their own businesses have become very successful now and they no longer do the markets because they're too busy with their wow, you know, commissions okay, yes. and they're, they're you know, growing <laughs> their empires, which is brilliant. And I love that. And it's it's there's a lot of like really positive mm. things that have come out of the markets for other people. And really, that's what motivates me and drives me. I mean, yeah. that's um, it's that kind of ability to help other people through what we're doing is what it's all about for me. Yeah, I, th- I think that's brilliant. It's almost like you, you, you're affording people this space to grow and develop into and a platform yeah. to showcase these amazing skills and then to see them, you know, sort of leave it behind in the best possible way. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Like, you know, to, to, be a part, to have a part in that, you know, it's almost like the same thing you would get as a, as a lecturer who's yeah. seeing a student go on to do something amazing. I think that's great. And, yeah. and I think we need that. I think it's important. You know, I've, I've been banging the drum recently about... Um, the sort of proposed removal of art from from me back in education, mm. um, and I think it's criminal. And I'm not going to start ranting on this because I've done that too, <laughs> too many episodes already. But um, but I think it's fascinating that you come from a background in event management, and and as you mentioned, we're sort of guided down a more academic route. Yeah, yet have found your way back to this, and I think it speaks for itself that you've come from what might be classed as as that as more business, more academic. And yet you, you're an integral part of the arts in doing that. And as we said, giving those people the space to grow. And I think it speaks for itself how important it is that, that we maintain that and, and people yeah. have the option to choose that and go down that road, you know? Definitely. But at the yeah. same time, it, it, surely it speaks louder about the fact that technology, business, arts are all interlinking now and people have to collaborate. And yeah, yeah. you can't just do one because, as John Newbigin said on a former episode, he pointed out the fact that I think businesses that combine technology, business and art were growing uh, at a greater rate. I think it's 40% according to a study in Bristol, yeah. uh, which makes total sense in the digital world that we live in now. So yeah. really, I mean, it's often a benefit to come from a slightly unconventional background into whatever field it is that, that you're in. Yeah, yeah, you can you definitely know. see that, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've gathered uh, X amount of skills from your role, particularly, you know, the stuff we talked about in China and all that. Um, yeah, yeah. All, core skills that I'm sure feed what you're doing now with Crafty Fox. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can I can 100% see, you know, the, the things I've learned from previous roles I've been mm. able to carry through into this. But I mean, having said that, it is still a massive learning curve. I do find it really challenging. Yeah. It's definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, so just in terms of the sort of practical steps, I mean, was it was it just a case of, look, I think we can take this now into a public realm and get these amazing people on board? Did you work with sort of existing connections to do that? Um, yeah, so I um, worked with Etsy for the very first event. Um, so at the very beginning, I had no network. Um, mm-hmm. I had been going along to some Etsy meetups because I was selling on their platform. Yeah. Um, and I asked them just to help me put out the call for traders, um, which they did. And we were lucky in that from the very first event, we were, were subscribed. So we were able to pick and choose mm-hmm. um, traders, yeah. which put us in a strong position in that the quality was good from the outset. Mm. Um, 
so and then from there we really just organically built our own audience through social media and people come to the events and word of mouth and I think in the designer maker community people talk to each other a lot and I think you know that kind of um, word of mouth you know it helped spread the word quite quickly and I think people are always looking for new opportunities to sell as well. So um, totally, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not cheap to sort of go and hire out shop spaces. You yeah. know, what I mean, getting a shop on High Street in London now is yeah very difficult. You know, I think you have to be in a strong position to do that or take a huge gamble. So exactly. spaces like the Crafty Fox provide a, a great opportunity. Yeah, and I mean, we're all about affordability as well. That was always something that was really important mm. to me from the outset. Was that we would be providing good quality, affordable opportunities for designer makers, and you know, we still stick to that today. Um, yeah. So it's, I think, you know, that helps in terms of people being positive about you and yeah. telling others about you as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we've now, we've just done our round of applications for the spring markets, actually. We okay. have yeah. over, over 600 applications this time. Wow, that's so amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's you know. Is like, it an increasingly bigger number that you're getting? Yeah, it is. Every time, <laughs> it's really challenging. Um, so we work with different guest curators for every event to help us mm. select the stalls um and i mean that's definitely one of the reasons why is because it's so difficult to yeah you know choose from yeah i was reading about that it's a really nice touch uh, yeah. yeah yeah it's good it's it you know it helps keep it fresh as well i think it's really important for the shoppers that the events stay fresh and that's you know while we do have regular traders we also have a, a large amount of new fresh mm. interesting products coming through um so it helps, you know, it helps bring in different tastes yeah. to every event, which is good. That's fantastic. Um, so it's, it's, I find it this Christmas, I what we were eighty over eighty percent, I think, of my of my gifts were bought from you know from independent traders face to face, which was beautiful, yeah. it? and it was really great because my girlfriend's a maker and and she well she's a graphic designer and she's starting to you know sort of make her own brand now, which is great to see. And my mum's always been quite artistic, yeah, and. Um, you know, so I've got this nice reign of people who really appreciate that. But yeah. also, it's that lovely thing about the sort of you know the storytelling aspect of it. The fact that you can take that gift to uh, to a person and sort of say, "Look, you know, I got this." And definitely, X story is behind that, and this yeah, person's yeah. from wherever, and they've gone through this and done that, or whatever, whatever the story might be. I I think it's a crucial. Would you agree that it's a crucial sort of element in succeeding as a as a maker? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think um, that's the magic of markets. Really, it's mm. it's. As shoppers, you know that's what you need to. That's what you need to try and communicate from behind your stall um, when you meet people, and that's what the shoppers are interested in when they come to markets. That's what makes it different from yeah. shopping in a big high street store. You yeah. know, you get to meet the person who's made the product. You get to find out about them, find out you know where they made it, why, what it's made from. Um, and I think there's something really special about that. And um, yeah, it's a challenge sometimes for makers to try and properly communicate that because again I think sometimes they're so involved in their own businesses it's hard for them to see the magic yes. of it from other people's perspective but it's it's a really important thing to get across yeah I think so I think that applies to the marketing of it digitally um, yeah you know every 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 aspect of the business I think you've got to really harness that because it's, yeah. it's a vastly competitive field and I think they're they're the stories that really set you apart yeah you know as we all know as artists it's the individuality and the character that that kind of sells the work Indeed. in the really successful stuff Indeed. So did you did you notice a kind of shift? Because I mean we've got we're going we're in an era now where a lot of digital dominance, and I think in I I seem to notice at the minute that there's a little bit of a digital switch off. I mean I say that because I think of clients who I know clients now who don't open emails from people that they don't have an existing dialogue with because yeah. they're just so bombarded yeah. with e communications. Um, 
I think people are sort of tired of the whole, you know, I will grab it on Amazon or we'll grab yeah. it off eBay sort of thing. So did has there been a sort of coincidental sort of rise of this makers industry, do you think, in tune with that and people becoming a little dissatisfied with yeah. that kind of overload of you know, soulless spine almost. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, our timing's been quite lucky in terms of that. It's definitely coincided with this rise of consumer interest in products with a story and more meaning. I mm. think um, consumer behaviour is, is definitely, you know, less about buying it cheap and piling it high. And, yeah. and you know, it's a bit more, um, it's more interest in the heritage of products for sure. Mm. Um yeah, it's just, I mean, as far as I can see, it's just continuing to increase in popularity, which is obviously great for us. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's more and more, like, amazing products coming through. And also, you can see the big high street stores are showing an, a more and more interest in this as well. Um, yeah. You know, stores like Hales and West Elm furniture stores are doing a lot with designer makers at the moment. Um yeah, you can you can see that you know yeah. trickling through lots of different. I really hope it continues because there's there's a real romanticism about about that you know yeah. about the fact that that's a you know it, I don't know I don't know what it is but it's just that individual thing again it's yeah. just the yeah. running through it as a thing. It'd be wonderful if if there was almost like a a, a link up between the sort of high street stuff and the independent people and they could sort of act as one. I think that'd be, yeah. that'd be tremendous. Well, I think we're moving towards that increasingly. Mm. Um, I think the high street are really keen to find ways to embrace yeah. the interest in it. Um, you know, some are doing it more successfully than others. Mm. But, um, I mean, even Amazon have launched a, a handmade marketplace now. Is that right? They have, yeah. Oh, yeah. I so um, I don't know if it's really gained much traction here yet, but um, that's interesting. certainly on yeah. the way. Yeah. See, that'd be great, wouldn't it? If, if sort of, you know, everyone sort of loves to raise a fist at corporations, but then yeah. it wouldn't be great if they could sort of put some of that back into, into you know, developing new talent. Then I think suddenly you'd have a, almost yeah. an ethical dilemma. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, I, I can't like them, but that's really cool. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> Do you think that's an aspect that people buy into as well? You know, we increasingly hear about, you know, sweatshops and malpractice and sort of bad ethics in, in yeah. larger corporations and... I think certainly when, you know, a one-to-one relationship, do you think that's something that people like? Is that a part of it? Yeah, I think so, for sure. Um, I think, you know, the more that makers can work towards getting to know their customers and building that one-to-one relationship, I think the more they'll benefit from it. I think um, platforms like Instagram have been really useful in terms Mm. of helping develop that one-to-one relationship. And, you know, consumers can find out more about the person behind the product and see their studio and get to know more yeah. about them and connect with them directly. Um, so that's a really positive thing, I think. I love to see a sort of clever use of social media. You know, it's like, yeah. um, you can be really, I, I've, I've become really switched on to that whole storytelling aspect recently and yeah, we're trying yeah. to sort of think about what it is that I'm doing with each post and the, the nice thing about Instagram is the simplicity of it, you know. Yeah, it is just It is just a sort of 90% visual platform and in the maker's world then that's that's great but you know if you, you've got a little bit more information if you want it there which is yeah pretty cool as yeah well. yeah you can get lost on instagram for days <laughs> yeah oh you of course you can yeah yeah um you mentioned about djs and uh and i mean i would the ones i've been to have been like little sort of coffee uh, coffee and cake areas and that yeah, kind of stuff yeah. and that's great because it's you can come there and have your lunch. You end up spending hours there, which yeah. I do, which is which is really cool. Great, that's that's the idea. I love it. I mean, I, I, love, I, love, I love a fruit and a cake wherever I go. So yeah. it's great <laughs> if I can get that and go and see all these creative people. Then that's brilliant. But I like that. I, I love that whole idea that you're doing something a little more. And then you mentioned the whole DJing thing. 
I remember, I remember saying when HMV sort of almost went out of business yeah. at the time that I thought they'd massively dropped the ball and you know people sort of chast- chastised Amazon and things like that but on the flip side of that I thought I always felt that they could have done a little more within those stores and to entice customers in yeah, for that human yeah. experience that they will that you can't get online so you could have run a market in there it would have been amazing well this is the thing <laughs> I always thought why is there not more acoustic sets with bands in, yeah. in stores for example you know why um well, I don't know you know limited edition things there's there are so many things and so many areas I felt that not just HMV but a lot of department stores dropped the ball in mm. um, and so you know when I when I see like DJs going on and things like that I think yeah that's that's you're offering a, a whole around experience there yeah, um, yeah. I imagine that's a lot of fun as well yeah it mm. is fun I mean as I said you know my husband used to run club nights back in yeah. Dublin and I mean the DJ thing really started because you know we've got lots of friends in London who are DJs and you know former club DJs I mean mm. some of them are professional some of them just used to play at various nights all yeah. of day jobs but um, as we're all getting a little bit older now you know it's, there's not so many opportunities for them to to play to a crowd so um, they they love it I mean it's great fun and um, you know we've always got like a big roster of different DJs on at all our events and um, it's a nice opportunity to play you know a really eclectic mix of music um, and I think it's a really important part of the experience. I think mm. it really helps to create the atmosphere and, you know, it really helps to keep the energy up as well. I think um, you can see the difference. Like, say, if you go to a market that doesn't have music on um, and it's four o'clock in the afternoon, a lot of the traders are hitting that 4 p.m. slump and they're, they're, sat there, they're tired, they're, you know, yeah. maybe a bit fed up, they're looking at their watches, is it time to go home yet? But actually, I think the music and the beats even, you know, it really helps keep that energy up, keeps that positivity, keeps people... You know, it just it just helps the whole thing function properly. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we are, anyone who's ever been out shopping in any major city on a Saturday afternoon yeah, will know yeah. that that's one of the most tiring things you can actually do. You Indeed. get back and totally drained. So actually, I never thought about that aspect, but that's a really uh, yeah. important thing, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's quite amusing. Though. I mean, some of our friends who DJ at the markets have got really, really into it and, um, you know, have been off buying special records especially for the markets and you know creating their sets and, and it's a yeah, real, really real labour of love for them as well which is great um, so <laughs> keeps them out of trouble you know it's good yeah that's <laughs> awesome so um, I'm not going to sort of go over this I'm sure people have heard a thousand times the kind of whole standout applications and that yeah. sort of stuff but I wonder if you had any good examples sort of standout examples of I don't know, just, just great makers or any anything that's been particularly unusual or really jumped out for whatever reason. Have you got any good examples? Um, oh, it's so hard. There's so many good ones. Um, I mean, I really get excited when we see different types of products coming through these days, mm. partly because we see so much of the same. Um, so there's, you know, there's an awful lot of people um, producing art prints, tea towels, mugs, that kind of thing. But when, when we see a different type of product, something new and fresh and different that we know our audience will love and it's it's well presented, well produced, that's when it gets really exciting. Um, yeah, it's tricky to pick just one. Let me think. Probably that's pick one, just any uh, any number, but just uh, anything that sort of makes you laugh or, I don't know, it's just... Um, one one I, I quite like this, the story of is um, Atelier Stella, which is um, a lovely girl called Stella who now lives down in Brighton, and she makes ceramics um, with little faces and things on them. Um, she's been around for probably probably about four or five years now, 
Um, and it is, you know, it's, it's a sideline for her. Um, but her ceramics are, are brilliant and quite cultish almost and mm. really popular. Um, she just kind of hit that zeitgeist with what she was doing. Um, she's traded at the market a few times and I love what she does now, which is she opens a sale once a month. So she only, she makes a batch of ceramics once a month, um, a limited number and she opens her shop at a certain time and they all sell out really quickly oh, wow. and then she closes it again that's it they're gone love the next that. month love that. and it really really works and um, you know obviously she's got a good following on Instagram and everything else and she's done um, a collaboration range with West Elm now as well so you know that's the high street kind of thing yeah. on a successful yeah. maker um, but yeah I just think I think that's you know that's quite a, a nice way for her to control the amount that she has to make. I remember talking to her about it and being like, you know, why don't you just put your prices up? There's so much demand because her, her ceramics are quite affordable as well. Yeah. And um, she's like, no, I don't want to do that. I really want my pieces to be available to people like me. And, you know, okay, I want, yeah. I want yeah. to keep them at a certain level. And, um, yeah, I just think it's, it's a nice story. There's not many people who are able to control their business in that way. I think that's really clever. And I, I, I'm a big believer in the sort of value of anticipation and, and making something special yeah definitely you know, you know making the buyer feel like they've got really yeah. whether it's one of a kind or just something that's limited which is always making like unique different things as well which yeah. is quite fun because you know if people are churning out the same products over and over again I think it yeah. does get a bit boring for the maker it does, as well without a doubt I, yeah, couldn't, yeah. I totally agree with that I think so I just noticed that your earrings by is it Mika or Misha Pete? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My girlfriend's indeed. a massive fan, and I bought I bought stuff of uh, oh. Mika Pete over the over the last couple of years, yeah. So I've become very aware of work. I just clocked, and then I was like, yeah, I know that yeah. design. <laughs> I've, I've pretty much, pretty much always got something on me by a by a crafty box maker at some point. That's so good, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's got to be is... a certain personal indulgence aspect to it. Lots. My house is rammed <laughs> full of um, crafty box things. So yeah, really? I, I mean, it's it's the one completely guilt free shopping experience for me is at the markets. Yeah, you know, just um, really, and it's something that we've had to kind of almost force ourselves to do because in in the early years. Um, you know, the process of organising the market was so stressful and so, you know, you're so kind of hyped up on the day, it was really hard to kind of focus mm. on shopping. But now I've, I've, you know, come away from market sometimes and be disappointed because I, I hadn't managed to focus enough to buy anything. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but now I'm like, no, you know, take time out, go shopping, enjoy, yeah. Yeah. you know, have the whole experience. You've and got to enjoy the fruits of your labour. It's brilliant, it's lovely. You know, <laughs> I, love, I love coming home with all my treasures at the end of the day. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's good fun. And now if you've got, have you got uh, one? Child? Uh, one and one on the way, actually. Oh, okay, so, congrats. Yeah, oh, brilliant. Oh, well, yeah. then, well, now you've got new customers for all the great makers as indeed, well. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another, another excuse to buy more lovely things. <laughs> I find it, actually, I'll just speaking of that, I find it quite... Um, have you found it, have you found it being a parent and sort of doing everything? I mean, you know, you mentioned that it was a great catalyst um, yeah. in, in some ways. Have you found that... I speak to a, a number of, I mean, my best friend is a recent father and he's, mm. he's an electronic musician and a DJ and, um, you know, he's, he's, things are sort of taken off for him at the minute and it's yeah. like, and he's got this little girl who's a one and a quarter yeah. and I, I find it quite inspiring. But also I talk to creative people and they say that it really forces you to kind of use your time to the absolute yeah, maximum, you know, there's none of this sort of messing around on social media or staying yeah. till eight o'clock at night when you could have been done by four. It's yeah. like, in, job done. Out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Being being focused is um, becomes very important. Um, I think it's it's. I mean, it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. But I think it's probably the same for any working parent. Mm. Um, it's a juggle, and I feel like I'm lucky in the position that I'm in because I do have flexibility. Mm. Um, and it changes, you know, as time goes on. I think as each 
you know, as each year has gone on and my son's got that bit older, you know, his routine's different and what he's doing is different and my work has had to adapt to that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, like, say, for example, this September he starts school, so if I wasn't pregnant then, um, you know, that that would mean my working hours would change. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, as it is, I'll be be having a second child around then, so that's going to throw another spanner in the works. But, you know, it's, it's, it's good. I feel like it's a it's a nice juggle. Brilliant. Um, I'm sure it will strengthen it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, so do you do you sort of do you have a long term plan or or do you just sort of, do you continue to let it grow organically? Um, I I wish I had a long term plan. Yeah. Um, I don't particularly. It is quite organic at the moment. I feel like as time goes on and more opportunities come my way, I feel like maybe my plan is coming into focus a bit more clearly than it was before. Mm. Um. And things like having a child, you know, I think it does focus the mind a bit more. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's ever-changing, this journey. And, you know, we're always being approached with new opportunities and um, different things. So it's, it is hard to know um, where it's going to end up, this, yeah. this crazy journey that we're on. But, um, yeah, I can tell you, uh, this, is, this is hot news, um, is that we're, we're going to be doing our first event outside of London. Um, wow, yeah. That's which is exciting, that. yeah, yeah. So in Leeds, actually. Leeds, oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, Why? Yeah, so that's yeah. that's very exciting, and um, we'll be we'll be announcing that in the next couple of weeks. Oh, brilliant! Um, and that's you know that's that's a big uh, step for us. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see where that that's leads. That's great news because I'm, I'm I'm very uh, sort of you know I'm a, I'm a northern lad and and I lived in Manchester for five years and I grew up outside of Leeds so. Yeah. I would, you know, I, I like like to see things happening, and and I think, I think it will. I think it's as a byproduct of London being really expensive. I think you'll start to see creative people disperse. Yeah, definitely more. Definitely. You know, I think it's becoming, especially you know, speaking from a, a a perspective of someone who's a freelancer and in a relationship with two freelancers. Yeah, it's kind of frightening. You think if you know, if I ever want to buy a property, I'm kind of got an uphill battle in London unless it yeah, goes Damien yeah. Hurst style for me. Um, you know, but so it's nice. It's really that's really cool to know that you sort of expanded into yeah into Yorkshire as well. Indeed, <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be fun. Yeah, I mean, there's loads of amazing makers I think all over the country, and you know, mm. increasingly we get people travelling quite far to take part in our events, and um, lots of people have been asking us for quite a while to do things in various other cities. So I think this is a bit of a trial. You know, we'll see how it goes, but if it works, then you know we'd love to work in other cities as well. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, we'll see. One one step at a time. Of course, yeah. Things things never quite happen as quickly as <laughs> I would like them to in my head. But um, <laughs> yeah, slowly, slowly. Yeah, I think I think I'm a I'm a big believer in the organic approach. I think you do have to have goals and, and long term plans. But yeah. if you if you're sort of too focused and you don't want to budge from a certain plan, you can come a cropper because yeah. as we all know, this industry is ever changing and Indeed. opportunities pop up and opportunities are gone yeah. quite quickly you know so Very I think the, you know the only reason we're sat here today is because I've been quite receptive to the idea that I don't really have a big long-term plan I know that I love to draw I love to illustrate and that's what I've built my name on but the book wasn't a plan that, yeah. that was an angry rant on the blog that got out of control mm. <laughs> and off the back of that this has happened and I just find that I'm becoming every day I'm becoming more protective of this industry and I want to champion it as much as I possibly can and, yeah. and I fall in love with doing this and just getting great opportunities like this to go and meet people that are doing yeah, amazing yeah. things so yeah. I think that's that's a kind of nice 
Yeah, it's good. It's definitely good to remain open to opportunities because, yeah. you know, you just don't quite know what's going to come your way. And I think in the kind of digital age of putting yourself out there, um, you know, is yeah, it's interesting sometimes to yeah. see the things that come your way. So. Do, you, uh, do you sort of work with any social media agencies or do you have any outside support in that aspect or do you run it from within? No. Um, so I've always done uh, all that side of it myself. Um, literally last week I've just um, taken on a freelancer, um, Katie who's based in Yorkshire actually yeah. um, and she's going to be doing two days a week on communications, marketing, social media so that's for me a big step kind of handing Brilliant. over the reins to somebody yeah. else um, yeah. but yeah it's exciting um, but again I mean social media I've always approached in a very organic way I think yes. we could probably do with a bit more structure to it but um, yeah it's, it's good to have somebody else's input I think after five years of yeah. it being on my shoulders yeah, I think yeah, I think it's a big ask with you know the, all the all the things you'll no doubt be juggling within the business. I yeah. think it's important to get that sort of support sometimes. So that's exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. So, uh, so the next ones are in spring next market. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've got second um, and third of April in Peckham, and then the weekend after ninth and tenth of April at the Jeffrey Museum in Hoxton, and then the the end of May. So the bank holiday began twenty eighth, twenty ninth of May in Brixton. Yeah. So, yeah, quite a spread. It's really cool. Yeah. Have you ever had any sort of bad experiences of, uh, I imagine, early on of, of low numbers or anything like that? Or, um, I mean, not necessarily low numbers, but maybe, you know, weather always comes into it, things like mm. that. And um, we've had some crazy weather along the way. We've had, like, snow at our spring markets and, you know, heat waves at our autumn markets kind of thing. It can be really unpredictable. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes sometimes events which aren't Christmas can be, you know, slightly less busy than, than you might like. But um, I always feel like as long as we've done all our work, you know, as long as we've done all the promotion and everything else, there's not much more you can do. There isn't, um, no. So, and there are always, you know, there's always a respectable number of people there, which is good. Good. So. <laughs> That's cool. I, I, I ask because I run a music project in Manchester called yeah. Quench Music and um, my friend and I set up, we started doing band nights and at Factory 251 like the people who used to do the Hacienda and um, we had some shocking experiences of, of just kind of being found out for our lack of experience of yeah. putting on gigs in you know in, in July yeah. people are sat in parks and people are watching Glastonbury or whatever else and we had somewhere we had you know four people turning up to see a, a band that's got more members in the audience and yeah. it's just like it's yeah. the worst like world eat me up sort of experience that you can imagine but I guess um, I guess with markets you've got you've got much more chance of a transit audience. And, uh, yeah, and I think it would be different if we were doing them more regularly. I think the fact yeah. that you know they're seasonal, um, they're special events or destination events. I think um, you know people get them in their diary nice mm. and early and kind of do make that effort to come, um, which is great. But um, yeah, I would imagine kind of trying to promote something on a on a weekly or monthly basis would be harder. Yeah, to maintain those crowds. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. So um, the last sort of part of the uh, the show, I always ask my guests called Shark in the Tank. I'm not going to explain why, because I do on most okay. shows, and it's just it's just a sort of I ask my guest for a, a sort of love and a hate within the creative world, and it could be an all time thing or it could be just a thing of the moment, and it's just a sort of totally open book. Some people have named uh, Lightning in film, some people have named New York a, a place. It's just yeah, it's just kind of an on the spot. Yeah, it's just sort of a negative and a positive type thing um, that I ask people to you know. To, yeah, to come up with. <laughs> um, I think negative. My my kind of personal bugbear is probably too many p- 
people producing the same type of work. And that's just because, you know, after having looked at so many different makers and, and all their work, we see an awful lot of, um, I guess, derivative work. So people are maybe inspired mm. by the same things. And, um, yes. you know, it's just, it would, it would be so much better if people could be more original in their ideas. Um, and... I think they, they would have a much more positive experience as well if they could do that. So yeah. I think that's probably my negative. That's why I call the show Rest on the Mix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Nice. No, it's, it's got to come from in there. No. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and positive, just... Um, I don't know. I just I just love the amazing creativity that, that comes out of people. I really love when like a person's product matches their personality and their persona like very neatly you know yes. so that's that kind of um when you can see that somebody has really put their own stamp on it and it is them and you know you mm. could almost you could almost guess the maker by looking at the product you know they're so well matched that's that's a lovely thing in my opinion it's a holy grail in, in all art forms yeah. I, re- I really think it's um it's incredible you know when you meet someone like you say they just they sort of they are their work yeah they are their work yeah, yeah. it's like I, I had a, a lady on the show called Sarah Beatson uh, recently and she's uh, an illustrator and she makes amazing clothes and all she's very widely talented and she is essentially a, a walking version of her work yeah, I mean she yeah. dresses in these most incredible outfits with all her own designs and she's just yeah. such a an upbeat positive person and her work's so bright and poppy and it's yeah. just it's a joy to sort of be around her and, you, and, and you kind of go Wow, I, I can't think of a person who is more their work than you, and it's like that's yeah, what I think. What I don't think you can go far wrong if you strive to find that. You know, you yeah. find that sort of nucleus of who you are, and if you can get that into your work, that's the challenge. Indeed. Surely, indeed. Yeah. Sandra Dickman's another one, actually. So, yeah, who, I love Sandra. Um, She's great. We had her on on a previous episode. Yeah, brilliant. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, that was that was a good episode. Um, but that's another person I think who you know kind of embodies their work um, in the massive way. Yeah. yeah, that's why I wanted to get her on because it's just. Um, Wonderful, wonderful stuff. Yeah, yeah, if I if I could just fill a whole market with uh, with you know that kind of like combination of um, yeah. you know everybody who's who embodies their work, it would be, it'd yeah. be quite something. Yeah, I'm guessing that's something you, that comes into your criteria when you're sort of choosing the lineup for a market is is to to create a real variation amongst all the makers. Yeah, definitely variation. Um, we get an awful lot of applications from illustrators and jewellers, so those are our, our two biggest categories. So, um, yeah, those are probably the ones that are hardest to narrow down. Um, so I'd say you've probably got a better chance of getting into the market if you're not an illustrator or a jeweller. Um, mm. But, yeah, variety is definitely important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was a Crafty Fox market. I bought some stuff from a lady who was creating goods using Braille. So she'd done... Ah, uh, yeah, Beth. Yeah. Yes, Beth, yeah. yeah, I've got a business... Beth Lau. Yeah, that's Yes, it. that's right. I've got a business card in my studio still. I thought yeah. the stuff was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really cool because she has her Braille machine at, at her stall. So she's able to personalise things there and then. And I think it's just... Yes, that's It's right. always nice when people can kind of demonstrate what they're doing from their stall because I think mm. it really brings it to life for people. So it does. That's, it's that's more, a nice of it, example more of that. Experience. I guess that's you know part of the event experience and yeah I suppose I spent about 20 minutes talking to Beth I remember now I was, I was fascinated with what she was doing yeah yeah, it's, yeah. It's incredible that's great <laughs> isn't it yeah well it's been an absolute pleasure Sinead and uh, yeah I can't wait to see about Thanks. the Leeds uh, the Leeds markets yes yes exciting news yeah yeah I'll have yeah. to try and coincide that with a trip home and, indeed um, indeed yeah. we're still pinned on the date so that's why I'm not giving you any dates just Brilliant. yet but hopefully June well when it's all out there I'll, uh, I'll definitely help spread the word great 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 <laughs> well thanks for having me very welcome it's a pleasure
What's really cool about the Crafty Fox markets is that they're thinking about everything aside from the products. So you've got awesome goods there, it goes without saying. The choice of diversity, and as Sinead mentioned, try to do something different. Make it personal. Um, don't follow what everyone else is doing and follow trends, and you'll stand a much better chance of getting in on the market stalls because there's so much competition now because there's so much talent. But if you're doing the same as everyone else, you'll be lost in their shadows. So think about that. Um, Get down there, check out the markets, hit them up. 4th of June, Black Swan, Leeds. Uh, 5th of June, Sunday, Black Swan, Leeds, 11 to 5 p.m. Dogstar Brixton, this Saturday, uh, 28th of May, 11 till 5. Sunday, 29th of May, 11 till 5. Thanks again to the sponsors, heartinternet.co.uk, illustrationweb.com. Um, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Get us some feedback. Um, I've had an increasing amount of people putting themselves forward to be guests on the show and I'm always happy to do so. Um, one lady got in touch last week and four days later she was in my studio being recorded for an episode. So I want to hear from you. Why do you want to be on the show? Who do you want to hear from and why? Get the suggestions over at Arrest All Mimics on Twitter. Facebook.com forward slash Arrest All Mimics. Email us arrestallmimics at gmail.com um, and hit me up, you know, help illustration web. Hit up our heart internet and hit me up at bentallon.com. Uh, thanks for checking in. As ever, I hope you enjoyed the episode with Sinead Kohler of Crafty Fox. Got some great episodes coming up soon. Uh, we've got a special on creative introverts and getting around the fact that you might not be a robust personality who can go and talk to people cold. That's going to be really interesting because there's so many of us out there. Uh, we got Duncan Beatty coming up with the children's book illustration episode, uh, talking about his debut children's book, The Bear Who Stared, out now on Templar. Uh, really cool book, really awesome. Um, I picked up a copy of Duncan's book for a friend's child and I didn't want to part with it. It's a beautiful thing. But we're going to be talking about all the issues with bringing out and getting a book deal, uh, publishing. Uh, really cool stuff. So look forward to that. Um, thanks for tuning in guys and thanks as ever to everyone who supports the show the numbers are growing, keep it coming tell your friends uh, You know, interact with us on social media share those posts uh, thanks again, uh, take care and enjoy all the cool events coming up, get down to Crafty Fox come and see us at Second Floor Studios and the dates mentioned at the start of the show say hello uh, and I hope to hear from you all soon cheers guys, talk to you later